Hi, this is Aliza Licht, and this is Leave Your Mark, the podcast, where I brew fresh career advice with some of my most inspiring and successful friends. It's professional advice that you can action immediately, whether you're just starting out in your career or well on your way. With a massive to-do list and a large cup of coffee, I promise that you can get it all done and still have time to post about it. I'm so excited to welcome my friend Kate Durgie back to Leave Your Mark. For those of you who missed her first episode, I highly recommend that you listen to it. She is a principal at Kate Durgie Consulting and also operating partner at Traub and now CEO of Penny's Flight Foundation. And we are here today, Kate, because you and your husband, Chad, have done the most inspiring, jaw-dropping job in creating Penny's Flight Foundation in memory and celebration of your daughter, Penny. And you and I have so much history together through fashion, but also through Hospital for Special Surgery. And I have remembered and been through and experienced sort of like all your path along the way. And I would love you to talk a little bit first and foremost, about your mentality, because I think that, you know, listen, you you live through a tragedy, you, you know, you've lost your child, but I have never seen, and by the way, every single person who knows you, and I've never seen more people just completely in awe of somebody, your strength, your resilience, your positivity, like, you need to bottle it and sell it, and hopefully you can spread it today and leave your mark. But I would love you to talk a little bit about, first and foremost, your mentality and your mindset, because you have lived through many, many years of trials and tribulations of penny surgeries. So give everyone a little background, and then we can go into what you've been able to do with all of your skills. Yeah. Well, first of all, Aliza, thank you, because I admire you so much. And when you say we've been through it all, we really have been through it all since we first embarked in the industry. And I'm I'm grateful for this opportunity to talk to you. No. But I view you as a role model. Well, thank you. But you really, you really take the cake. Thank here. you. Well, you know, I guess it really begins with, and, and we talked about this on, on my last podcast with you in the last time we discussed this, but it really begins with the night before Chad and I got married and it was my father who took us aside. And, you know, just to backtrack, as we last spoke about in my in my first podcast with you, I grew up fortunately with two incredible parents, incredible role models for living life to the fullest with such positivity with my mother and my father with such resilience and strength, having been a Marine and teaching me, you know, the skills, not only physically, but mentally to get through challenging times. But it was the night before Chad and I got married and my dad pulled us aside and he was very spiritual and he looked at us both and he said, listen, you two have lived a very charmed life. You know, you have beautiful friends, you have beautiful family, you're about to embark on this incredible long wedding weekend. And I just need to tell you that you will be challenged and it is up to you to determine how you're going to play the cards you're dealt in life. And I think at that moment, Chad and I just looked at each other and we're like, well, what is he talking about? You know, we're about to, you're sort of killing our buzz here. We're going to <laughs> yeah. this beautiful weekend, but it stuck with us. And it certainly stuck with me. And when 
Penny was born at four months old. She rolled off our bed and we raced to the pediatrician. And, and at the time, the pediatrician said, you know what, get up to hospital for special surgery. It, it looks like it's a fracture. And so we did. We went up there. It was our first time at the hospital as, as new parents. We had Penny's older brother, Henry, who at that time was two. But we had never had anything really impact us or affect us with the kids other than runny noses and, you know, sleepless nights. So we raced up to hospital for special surgery and we met with Dr. Roger Whitman, who you know well through hospital for special surgery. And he's the chief orthopedic surgeon at the hospital. And he said, took one look at the x-rays and he said, you know, this is more than a fracture. It's something called congenital pseudarthrosis. And one out of 300,000 kids have this. And we sort of were deers, you know, stuck in headlights, like what? And he said, but we're going to get through this and you're in great hands. And I want to tell you, this is probably under this umbrella of a genetic condition that's known as neurofibromatosis. And again, we looked at each other and he said, but don't Google it because we're just going to focus on her leg for now and, and we're going to get through this. And so we didn't really pay attention to the NF diagnosis. Because again, in our heads, we were like, okay, how are we going to play this? You know, we've been dealt these cards and one out of 300,000 kids are diagnosed with this thing, which is a bowed tibia bone. So in the end of the day, yes, Penny's leg was fractured, but the tibia bone thought there should be a joint in it. And that's why it was bowed and bowed. And it was the rolling off the bed that fractured her tibia. So we were really focused on on her tibia bone and, and not the NF diagnosis, which we'll get to. But, but over the course of 16 years of Penny's life, she had seven surgeries on her leg. So we were like determined to make sure she lived this big, beautiful life. And even though she had her first surgery at 18 months old and she was in a body cast for four months, she would commando crawl across the room and it was bright pink and we bedazzled it with gemstones. And, you know, she just was always had this big, beautiful, bright smile and twinkle in her eyes. So I think, you know, part of us says that we took Penny's lead in how she lived her life, but it really was from the moment of her diagnosis that we all sort of were on this train together of like, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to, she's going to have surgery. She's going to be in a body cast, but what's going to stop her from crawling across the room? And then post that first surgery, she wore a little brace and we made sure that it had butterflies on it. And we made sure that it was camouflage. And she was a part of every decision in making the, the, cast that she had on her leg to the brace she had on her leg. Beautiful, always. And she never was defined by the brace she wore on her leg. And, and I think that choice and going back to your question, and this is a very long-winded answer, but going back to the question of that mindset of like choosing joy and we have a choice on how we're going to play the cards we've been dealt. And so I think that our whole family just got on this bandwagon of like, okay, she wears a brace every day, but she's still going to ice skate and she's still going to go to ballet and she's going to do gymnastics. And, and even Dr. Whitman through all those years of Penny wearing the brace and, and changing size as a brace, 
I'd be like, okay, well, she's got gymnastics, so we got to go. Like, let's get this brace going and and we got to get out the door. And that continued through her whole life. But I think it really was this foundation of we have a choice to choose positivity. And so I don't know if I can continue to go through sort of the years, but this, this has really been the resonating factor, which has taken us through Penny's life. And as I mentioned, you know, 16 years of seven surgeries on her tibia bone and a brace she wore every day and, you know, multiple CAT scans and MRIs. And it was just so part of our life, but we lived life and she lived life. And then in the fall of 2020, when she had a little bit of a wandering eye, we took her to an eye doctor appointment and incredible ophthalmologist who tracked Penny through her years had said, you know, I think he was, he was funny actually, because he was like, well, I've, I've seen this with some kids coming out of COVID because of the screen time. And they're so focused on the screen. He's like, ah, I think we should just check it out, go get an MRI. So we went to get an MRI and the MRI showed her first brain tumor. And at that point in time, when they reviewed the scan, they're like, you got to get into the emergency room immediately. And so, so Chad actually brought her into the ER. And by the time I got in there, Penny was scheduled for brain surgery. And we, I think, are the type of people that we always have faith in knowing, you know, we're in the best hands because we had an incredible team. But I think to a point that we almost are too faithful because I got into the ER and and I turned to Chad. I was like, okay, so when surgery? And he was like, it's booked for tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. And the surgeon's awesome. I was like, all right, what's his name? He's like, I totally forget, but he's great. He's really great. <laughs> I was like, okay, here we go. Brain surgery for our daughter without even knowing Dr. David Harder's name, who ended up being our just role model and rock star because he ended up doing seven brain surgeries on Penny. Unbelievable. But listen, I think kids really model behavior. And I do think that you and Chad, you kind of, you know, I can very much relate to this mentality because it's like a little bit, and not to minimize any of it, it's a little bit like another thing on your to-do list. Like you guys are extremely driven, hardworking, like you get your shit done. And like, I could picture you saying like, all right, let's go. We got to get to gymnastics. Like I would be the same way, like a hundred percent the same way. But I do, I do think that, you know, the way that you were always a ray of sunshine, even when it wasn't positive, gave her her confidence to just also think of it as tackling something on her to-do list, which I think is an, an amazing thing for people to learn from and model behavior. And I mean, this is an incredible amount of surgeries for one person to go through. And I've known you throughout all of these years. And I remember when she rolled off the bed. Like that was, I think I was at DKMY like early days. Yeah. I think we were doing hosiery together. Yes. When you're yeah. a Paloma, right? Yeah. So you guys have been through a lot. And, you know, when she when she passed away, like, I, I just want, for everyone listening, like, I want to get emotional, but you can't cry because then you're going to make me cry. I don't mean to cry, but no. this was the most beautiful event 
I have ever seen and the happiest event. And it was. It was amazing. But it was honestly, Aliza, you know, to that point, like, I, I thank you for saying all that. But the fact that, you know, first of all, I have an incredible, unbelievable partner in Chad. And and the fact that we have always been in line and lockstep in every decision we make and yeah. every opportunity to, to just keep moving forward. And that was from day one. And so I think about that because going back to the idea of like, we have a choice. We yeah. have a choice to choose joy. And we had a choice to your point of with every surgery, it was like, all right, let's do this. And, and going back to, before we get to the celebration of Penny's life, you know, even with our surgeons, we would see an MRI and the brain tumor would be back. And we'd be like, he would say, all right, we can get in there and we can get it out. And we'd say, let's go. We've got a river rafting trip in two weeks. Do you think we can do it? And he would be like, you guys are insane. But yes, let's but go. It and worked. It worked. And it, worked. it did. And I think to that point, like, and this leads me to the celebration of Penny's life and where we're now, but through all of that, the seven brain surgeries, the chemo, the radiation, the, you know, trials that we went through. And Penny, first of all, never once complained because it was so part of our daily routine to the point that Frankie and Henry barely even knew what Penny was going through. Cause I would, we would just do it. And, and, yeah. Penny, you know, during that time that she had radiation and chemo and it was summer of 21. Right. And she had just graduated from Greenvale school in eighth grade and was going to boarding school in the fall, ninth grade. And she ran Glam Camp, which we talked about in the last yeah. podcast, which was a little camp for young girls. And she and her two best friends ran this camp and they rotated between our three homes. And there was always theme days and come dress as your favorite Barbie and, you know, come dress as your favorite Disney character. And this was for ages five to eight year old girls. And so that summer, I'll never forget it because when we said, all right, Penn, you know, we're going to do this radiation, but it's going to be really focused on this tumor and we're just going to knock it out and this is what we're going to do. And she was like, all right. And she was like, let's get it done early so I can get back to glam camp. And so it just, that was the way her mind worked. And we were like, great. Like, she was just like you both. She's, she was, I mean, it's just carbon copy, carbon copy. I mean, it's so inspiring and it's so important because- so many people don't choose this path. And then their life is a reaction to the negativity. And then it's a self-fulfilled prophecy. That's exactly it. Because I feel that the choice of positivity enjoyed the difference that can make. And we saw it firsthand because it was just this is what we're going to do and we're going to get through it. And then we're going to, on the backside, there's so much joy to living life to the fullest. And so this is what we did and, and Penny did it and, and everyone around us, you know, embraced it. And I think that was what was so surprising because Penny lived this beautiful life and she lived it with such positivity. I mean, never once complained. Even her friends had no idea to the extent to which what she was going through because she was just living. And so when in the end of Penny's life, when this glioblastoma, which had been contained, you know, through 
the surgeries and through radiation and chemo and everything we did in the last week, you know, we saw that it had spread and we, Chad and I, and, you know, and, and the kids and Penny decided at that time that she was not going to stay in the hospital, that we're going to bring her home. And that was probably the greatest choice that we could have made at that moment of like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to choose joy and we're going to fill the house with all of our friends and the most beautiful light. And we laugh because I think our greatest argument between Chad and I was, which was what was the music that we were playing in the house? He would prefer fish or Trey or you know, grateful. <laughs> and I was like, I want seventies on seven and and eighties you know, on eight. But it was, it was like, we would have anywhere from 30 to 50 people in our house, literally on a daily basis to point it was just constant and our driveway was packed with cars, but there was so much love and so much light. And our friends referred to it as this love cocoon and it lasted the course of a week. And Penny, you know, just felt that it was like she was launched on a rocket ship of love when she finally left us. And, you know, I talk about the beauty of even the process of not only, you know, from Penny, the day she was born of being diagnosed, but that choice of joy through her whole life and then celebrating her life at the end. You know, there's no guidebook, there's no textbook on how to lose a child, right? No. Or for a 16 year old, her best friends, for her brothers, there's, there's no handbook. But what I recognize is we opened up dialogue to celebrate someone's life versus be in such mourning. And yeah. we would have come into our house of older generations, you know, Chad's parents and and my godparents and others who sort of were taken back because, you know, they would walk into the house and they would feel like, okay, this needs to be so somber. And I'd walk in and walk up to them and be like, hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You know, come see yeah. Penny. And they would walk into Penn's room and, you know, all of her girlfriends were lying all over her bed and music was playing and pictures all around her room. And I think it really, you know, did change this perception that loss has to be so dire and so deep and so sad. I mean, this is definitely a book, and I definitely think you could rewrite the rule. You have rewritten the rules for loss. The funeral was a great, a giant example of this mentality. And I think that, you know, when I think about your career and I think about all the skills that you've amassed from your PR days to your strategy to the branding, and like they have all led you to create Penny's Flight. Yeah. No, I know that in my heart of hearts, like I am living my life's purpose. There is no doubt about it. And there's no coincidence to your point, you know, with PR background and marketing and being on the board of hospital for special surgery and other organizations for so many years, I understand the fundraising aspect of things. And so when Penny passed and, and we recognized what an impact she had on so many people that, that she didn't even know or that we didn't know the impact she had, you know, that's when Chad and I looked at each other and 
and decided, okay, this is how we're going to celebrate her life. And we're going to make it so beautiful and no one's going to wear black and we're going to have music and her friends are going to speak and there's going to be butterflies everywhere. And it really- and her art and her art. You, I mean, um, can you just describe what you set up? It was pretty magical. And it was, it was all of us, you know, it was like friends of ours and family who just wanted to be a part of creating this beautiful celebration and, and having her art. And, you know, I think someone said there was something like a thousand people or 1100 people that showed up on the most beautiful November day. And so that recognition in that moment when we were there in the church and there was the tent outside and the reception afterward where we had friends of mine for my entire career and family and Chad's and we were just looking at each other like what is happening this is it was it was the most it was the most magic I've never I, I mean no one has ever I mean we have obviously a lot of friends in common and every single person I saw, we were just blown away. But what you took from that event and then to create her foundation, I think a lot of people like don't even know where to begin. And I also think it's worth noting that like this is a very, and forgive me if I'm saying this correctly, like very common yet very, very underfunded disease. So do you want to speak a little bit about that and how you broke through with that? Yeah. Because it- well, and that's a great point. So through Penny Celebration and seeing this outpouring of love and support and attendance, you know, we woke up, that was on a Friday, Chad and I woke up on a Monday morning. And again, we had never focused on neurofibromatosis, NF, as the definition or or identity to Penny. So we had to address it actually at her celebration. And for the first time, for majority of friends and family who were there, they never even knew Penny had NF. And so we really had a moment where we recognized like this is our opportunity and we need to do something about this. And because neurofibromatosis is the most common genetic condition in the United States, one out of 2,000 kids are diagnosed on an annual basis, but they are so underfunded and there's such little awareness to the point that several pediatricians, even in New York City, don't know what NF is. They have to wow. Google And when you Google it, it's the scariest thing in the world because under the umbrella of NF, there is a multitude of symptoms so that you can have. So for instance, for Penny, she had congenital pseudoarthrosis, which is very rare under the NF umbrella. She had a glioblastoma, which is also very rare under the NF umbrella. But NF is a condition where you have tumors that grow uncontrollably in different parts of the body. So you can have a optic tumor that leads you to go blind. You can have tumors physically all over your body, or you don't have any. You can just have cafe au lait spots, which Penny also had. You can have learning disabilities. So it's a complicated condition because there's such a multitude of potential symptoms to to this diagnosis. So I think that is probably why it's been so difficult to fund because in our case, we were just focused on the congenital pseudoarthrosis because it wasn't life-threatening. And then we had the glioblastoma. So from my perspective, I could see why people just focus on those 
channels or those lanes without going to the top of the funnel. Why is NF happening? Why is there the genetic mutation? You know, we need a cure to this genetic mutation to eradicate it completely. So after Penny's celebration of our life, people were very generous to say, we want to donate where, you know, where can we give? And that was really the start of our conversation on the Sunday after Penny's celebration, where we said, you know what, we need to do something about this. And Chad and I looked at each other and we said, we, we want to launch a foundation in her honor, not only because we want to find a cure for NF, but we want to spread Penny's beautiful life story and we want to help others. And so when we recognize that Penny lived her life's purpose, our, our favorite phrase, it's not your lifespan, it's your wingspan that matters most. And seeing the 1,100 people come out to support us, but it was Penny, you know, the stories of the impact she made by just passing someone at school and smiling or just taking a little, you know, girl under her wings. And, and that had such an impact that we said, okay, we got to do this. And so as a family and as with Penny's closest friends, as advisors and great friends of ours, we sat around the dining room table and we're like, what are we going to do? And with just brainstorming and conversation over the course of, it was like three days after her celebration, we decided we're going to launch Penny's Flight Foundation. And that was Henry's name. Because of course, we're like, is it is it Penny's purpose? Because we talked about Penny's lived her life purpose. And we we're like, no, this is her flight. And this is taken off. And she is a butterfly. And and one of her best friends said, you know, the butterfly represents an inextinguishable soul always drawn to the light. And we were like, that's it. You know, she's a butterfly. And, and so this is her flight. And so we had never launched a foundation, but I had worked for so many that we just had the connections and the ability to lean on incredible advisors and partners to give us the advice that we needed. And and we acted quickly. We got our temporary filing and we filed for a 501c3 and we got our logo in place and we got on CBS News thanks to Nora O'Donnell literally the day after we launched. And the most incredible part about the launch was the fact that all of Penny's friends did these pop-up events. So we launched on a Friday and we pre-planned this where over 12 schools around the country did these pop-up events where they were awareness. So it was be a butterfly, you know, spread positivity. And all of a sudden it took off social media. It was like these kids were posting and posting and that was on a Friday. And then on a Saturday, we did another pop-up event at our local hockey rink. And it just so happened that Eli Manning's son was playing in a tournament there. And he came in and he was like, I'll do whatever it takes. And so the kids were taking pictures with butterflies and spreading it on social media. And then Jimmy Fallon you know, showed up and he did it also. So it was like, hear yourself. How insane no, is that? It's, no, it's sort of, but this is what I mean. Like when I tell you Penny lived her life's purpose, and this is so much bigger than us, the way things have happened and transpired over the last month, it's not us. I mean, we're the vehicles to make this happen. And yes, you know, Nora O'Donnell's a great friend, but she's so moved by Penny's story. She was like, I want to do this. I want 
to help you. And that's where everyone's gotten on board because they're like, no kid should ever suffer. And you hear these stories from other NF families who now are coming to us and saying, thank you. Like, thank you for giving us a voice and creating this beautiful foundation to raise the awareness that we need in order to raise these critical funds for research for a cure. And that's where going back to your point about this is not coincidental that I have this background in marketing and PR because it's all about awareness. You know, when Jenna Bush Hager said, Jenna, who's a, who's a great friend and her daughters were in Penny's glam camp and they loved Penny so much and Penny loved the girls. And Jenna was like, what can I do? You know, I, I want to do that segment you. was so wonderful. Oh, I my mean, gosh. she did and with you. They're re-airing it. They're re-airing it on Labor Day. And I just, I the gratitude that I have for friends like Jenna and Adam Glassman at Oprah and, you know, all these people who've gotten on board to tell our story, to tell Penny's story. You have no idea what that does and the hope it gives to the NF community and the help it gives us to raise funds. I mean, we get these DMs and these emails and, you know, hits to our websites from families who are just like, you're going to do this. And that's what I said. I'm like, we will find a cure. There is not a doubt in my mind. I want it to happen sooner than later, of course. But it just feels like this momentum is so much bigger than us that it is, you know, it's Penny working her magic. And And, and we feel it. And her friends and our family. And it's just like, as I said, this ball that's just rolling and growing and growing, which is incredible and so beautiful. You've raised over 1.2 million Raised over three million since <gasps> we went. Yeah, I said. Oh my god! It was one point two like five minutes ago. That was for Fam Jam alone. So oh, we. Oh my god! Had, hey, I know. So hey, shit. So three I know. In how many months? It's I guess eight technically, wow. but it's but this is just the beginning, Aliza. You know, this is where it feels. So good because going back to as we talk about our careers and, you know, and I said this in my last podcast with you, all I've wanted to do is make an impact, right? You know, to help brands, to help individuals, to make a difference in people's lives in any way, whatever that might be. And and I have loved doing that and doing that for brands and, you know, relaunches and launching brands. And certainly through my foundation work and through HSS, like nothing gives me more happiness than seeing the difference that I can make. But this and the foundation is taking it to another level. And that's why to see what we've been able to do in such a short time gives me so much faith and courage and confidence to know like we're doing the right thing. You are a hundred percent. But I also just want to bring up one other part of this incredible recipe for success, which I do think you and Chad deserve this credit for, which is your own personal brands, the social capital that you have earned over many, many years of being amazing to work with, reliable. I mean, you have, that's all come back to you now. Like all these people who are coming out of the woodwork, that is because you have 
created a reputation for yourself where you deserve that in return. And you've cultivated that over, God, like 30 years at this point. Well, and that's it. You know, I always say to the kids, I'm like, never burn a bridge, right? Like that is, that's golden rule number one, because you never know where someone's going to end up, where you're going to end up. And you just, you want to be a good person. At the end of the day, it's like, life is short. You know, you don't need to be a jerk. You're going to be better off if you're bringing people on board and you're you're creating a team, right? Together. We're only as good as those that are around us. And so I think both Chad and I have lived our lives that way and we've never burned a bridge. And so when the support and people who are coming on board were like, I want to do this. It, it definitely was overwhelming at first. We're like, wow, this feels incredible. Yeah. And, and it has been. And I think the most beautiful thing is letting people be a part of this and wanting people to be a part of this because they feel like they're making an impact too. I mean, these kids, you know, I talk about like the pop-ups for Penny that they would launch and they felt so good to come back to chat and I'd be like, oh my gosh, we raised this much amount or or now we're on this number of social media followers on Instagram and and Penny's girls are in charge of the TikTok, thank God, because I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I, this is, I, yes, I get PR, but, but clearly TikTok's not my thing. But, but Kate, like even like for years, for everyone listening, Kate is the chair or vice chair, I don't know what your title is, of the pediatric fundraiser for hospital for special surgery for years and years and years. Yeah. And now tell everyone what they did. That is incredible. I mean, if there's anything going to make me cry, that will do it because, you know, I have been so grateful for HSS and for being on the board and head of the board of advisors and now on the board and yes, co-chair of this annual fundraiser for the last 15 years because Penny was the one I wanted to give back again to HSS for everything they had done for us. And so because of that relationship we had with the hospital and and they loved Penny. They have this incredible program that was launched in 2016, and it was the HSS Adaptive Academy. And they have just renamed it the Penny Durgy Adaptive Academy, which is like the most incredible thing because the academy, what they do is they host these events to support kids who wouldn't otherwise be able to partake in these activities. So it's not just sports, but they do certainly have adaptive water skiing and adaptive horseback riding and adaptive skiing, and they're going to do adaptive ballet and then the arts. And so it's just for me, it's like I want kids to live a normal life like Penny did and live the biggest, fullest, most beautiful Lives. So to be able to have this adaptive academy where families don't feel like they can't go on a ski trip or their child can't go water skiing or surfing, like that's incredible. It's just incredible. It's and incredible. so awesome that it's in Penny's name because it's just so perfectly aligns with how we viewed her life. And I want other kids to live and families to live. So it's so awesome. I'm so impressed. I'm so proud. I mean, that's why I wanted you to come on and talk about it because I think it's it's really important for people to understand that there's another way to be when tragedy happens. And I think that 
it's just, it's so incredibly inspiring. Tell people how they can get involved. Uh, well, listen, and first of all, thank you for that. And my hope truly is that if there's anything we can do, we can help others to recognize that you do have a choice to all of us, how you live your life, how you celebrate life and how you process someone's passing. But ways to get involved with Penny's Flight, certainly, you know, it's pennysflight.org and you can check out our website and you can follow us on Instagram and see Penny's beautiful life. But there's also pop-up events. You know, when I talk about awareness, it really is all about spreading wings. And so whether it's, you know, others doing a pop-up event in their local communities or a paint for Penny. We've had others who've hosted, brought in a local artist and brought kids in for painting lessons and the percentage or proceeds of sales or of tickets for those events go back to the foundation. There's obviously donating directly to, to the site. And then there's the Adaptive Academy and supporting the Adaptive Academy. So I think our, our pillars right now is research, you know, the power of positivity and the Adaptive Academy. And the power of positivity is the spreading pennies story through these paint for pennies. We had a play for penny where there's lacrosse team played on ESPN and they highlighted Penny's flight. And I mean, it was crazy. It's like, it's so amazing. So amazing. Our events. And yeah, it's just been, it's been incredible. I'm so proud of you. I, I think this is so incredible. And, you know, we have to, I mean, we know how you're leaving your mark. So there's no question there because clearly this is it. You I'm, I'm just you grateful. Spread her wings everywhere. Yeah. We will spread your wings, shine your light. And if that resonates with people, I hope it just continues to spread. And that will be the greatest gift of all. Thanks for coming on, Kate. Thanks, Aliza. You're the best. I love you so much, and I'm so grateful for you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Leave Your Mark. If you want more career advice or tips on personal branding, make sure to pick up a copy of my new book, On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception. Want to land your dream job or kill it in your career? Don't forget about my first book, Leave Your Mark. If you want me to speak at your company or at an offsite, or if you need consulting services, please go to alizalick.com. I would love to connect with you there and on social media. And just remember this, if change doesn't hurt a little, it's not change. Keep on rocking.